0: Time that perfectly,
1: excellent, <laughs> <first> excellent. Time. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, here we are.
0: Look at that, everyone shows up at the same time. JT, well, T, yep. Bill Jenkins, Thomas Irvin, Bill Bradley, Andy Middleton, our usual suspects,
1: yes. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is episode
0: 85.
1: Yeah, 85 of Snakes and Stogies. I didn't know if you were going to do the intro. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just jump in.
0: Joe Rosa. We never know.
1: Yeah, we never know.
0: We're very formal here. If anyone hasn't figured that out, we have no idea what we're doing.
1: The utmost of professionalism. But for me. Tonight, we're joined by a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Luis Carballo of Birds and Exotics of the World. What's up? What's up, man? How's everybody doing?
2: Good, man. Good. Glad good. to have you
1: on.
0: This is
2: good. Hey, thanks for gonna having be... me, man.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, man. Dude, I love that background. I'm, not a, wall I'm not a you.
2: bird guy, but. Eh, we got some reptiles, too. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Some of uh, my little stuff that I have here. That painting you see up there, the timber rattlesnake, that is an original painting of the. Um, it's an old book that says rattlesnakes in the front. I forgot the name of it, but that's mm-hmm. a grand painting. Nice. Yeah, nice. it's, it's a harpy eagle feather that I have. It's all awesome. my little memorabilia stuff that throughout the years I've accumulated. Nice. Well, I, awesome. I'll, I'll
0: preface it by because Billy Jenkins said birds are cool, but they're not his thing. It's birds of prey. And we're not talking about like parakeets.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't have you know. no parakeets um, or two pants. I appreciate them, but that's just not not what I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get jumping into it, uh, tonight's show and all of Snakes and Stokies is brought to you by the fine people at Puget Sound Pythons. The right
0: here, Right here in the corner.
1: Check them out, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere social media can be found.
0: And if you'll be at Daytona, they'll be there, too.
1: Yes, they will. Lewis, you going to come to Daytona?
2: Unfortunately, I won't be in Daytona. I will be in Georgia doing some um, work with Bears. All right. Awesome. So the last day of that gig is uh, the 21st, which is in the middle of Daytona. So fortunately, this year, I won't make it. Well, you will be missed, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. It's a good time. It's a good time out there.
1: Yeah, man. So, Justin, what are you smoking tonight?
0: I just lit up an Opus X. This is just the Robusto. So, I really, we, well, we released issue 22 of Herpeticulture Magazine today. And so every day, every time I drop a new issue, I go out and get me something bougie. And that's, that's my like breather of finally it's done. It's out the door. I can kick back for at least a couple days until I have to start issue 23. So
1: I love it. I've
0: been waiting to smoke this all day
1: long. And dude, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm biased towards Venomous, but that cover, man, that cover is fantastic.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a guy down in, uh, I think Veracruz took that picture, found him on Instagram. That's how I find a lot of the cover photographers, honestly, is search the species that we have the feature on, look for professional-looking, high-res quality photos, and message them and see if they're willing to let us use it. So,
1: awesome. Yeah, it panned out very well. I'm very, very happy (laughs) with it.
0: So. Derek did a great job on that article too. I really, uh, I haven't done one of the the HM highlights, like the little short five ten minute videos where I interview someone who did a piece in you know the latest issue. But I want to do one of those on the Ophryacus with uh with with Derek for sure.
1: Just gonna figure out when he can do it. Nice, good stuff. Yeah, man, his animals are just tip top specimens. I mean, legit textbook. You
0: know, it's such a cool species that's really unknown. Like a lot of people aren't you know aren't privy yeah. to the fact that those even exist. They're really badass. But Lewis, what are you uh what are you keeping and working with right now? I guess in the uh, world of herbs.
2: In the world of herbs, um I have a little bit of everything. Uh like me and Phil have gone years, years back. Um he knows I have an obsession with eastern and timber rattlesnakes. So I have a few of those in my collection, venomous wise. Um, the rest of the stuff is a lot of tortoises and turtles. Um, and obviously the birds of prey. A uh, few years ago, I, I used to do a lot of boas, breed a lot of boas, but took too much time. So I had to move from that to to focus on my business with the birds and education and things like that. But I got just a little bit of everything. I'm all around for, for the presentations we need to have variety. So yeah, man, absolutely I'm very fortunate to have some, um, what I
1: think is some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. And having seen your shows and seen you in action, dude, like it, there's a lot of people that they have a routine, they have a script, you know, they have animals that, that are maybe theirs, maybe not theirs, but like, you, so you can tell they've shit. done
0: it a million times over and over again. Right, like, and it's they're the kind of just going way. through the motions. Sort yeah. Of. yeah, and that
1: is that I can confidently say that that is not the case with Lewis. Like shit, no. bond with his animals; they know him, he knows them. Like, and it's it's never the same show, so to speak.
2: Yeah, so. um, yeah. The, I mean, all, all my birds I've raised since they were hatchings. So all, all my animals born and raised in captivity. Um, I've got them basically from the egg, raised them up around myself, and. My young daughter helps me out raising them, so they get accustomed to uh, what we're doing, so they're not really stressed or anything like that. And we just wing it. <laughs> no pun intended. But... <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and yeah, know, and how- every show is different. Every crowd, age, energy is different. So you know, it's one of those things where if it's scripted and something goes wrong, then what do you do there? You know what I mean? And yeah, I'd rather just go with the flow, have a good time. I enjoy it. It brings it brings joy to me. So.
1: Whatever happens, happens.
2: <laughs> I love it, man. It's great. And for me personally, it makes, it makes it more realistic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing, too, is that it's not just a, a grown dude working with these animals. You have your family involved. And so the animals are totally getting exposed to all different age ranges. So it doesn't matter if you're doing an a, a elementary school or you're doing a college lecture hall or whatever. The animals are they're they're used to it and they've acclimated appropriately. I, I think it's fantastic, man. Yeah, How I mean, it? I have
2: a I have a, an amazing family and staff that that helps out a lot, does a lot, and and without them, I wouldn't be able to. Um, yes, that was that was Leo who's getting anxious to come out. <laughs> that uh, I wouldn't be able to do what I do because it's a lot of work, you know. It's, birds are very different than reptiles or, or some mammals where you can just train them once, teach them once, and then come back next week and you I'm do happy. it again. With these guys, it's every single day. You have to have some type of interaction with them. Um, you have to be around. You just put in a cage and forget about it. It's yeah.
3: not gonna
2: work. It's not gonna work. And and the illusion of having them is pretty cool because we see it on TV and social media. It's like, oh, I got this and that. And but it, it's it's a lot of work. It's, it's very expensive. But you know, we enjoy what we do, so it's not not that bad
0: so, as as far as the birds like the birds of prey though like in in terms of like intelligence in comparison to something like some of the parrots and stuff, I mean are they they pretty high up there, sort of in that same ballpark well,
2: when when I look at intelligence of an animal i I don't think there's such thing as a a wild dumb animal right right because they'd all be they dead know how to survive without facebook <laughs> yeah, we can't. You know, right now, so 90% of this world just stare at each other like, what do we do, mom? Right. You know what I mean? So I they, they're intelligent. They're built to do a certain job. And to do that job, they're the best at it. You know, their job is not to do tricks or to figure puzzles or to log into something. Their job is to find their food, not get hurt, eat their food, and reproduce. You know? So... Parrots are very intelligent. Also, they are social animals. So they a lot of their behavior, in my opinion, is has to do with being able to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. On on since most of them, most birds of prey are solitary animals, so they don't have to have right. social skills, you could say, to be like you know do things. I mean, they still have a vocabulary. They still know how to communicate with each other, obviously. But you know, it's just two very different two different worlds.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, they have to be of a higher intelligence if you're training them to do things and stuff right like you're you know their familiarity with you is there any of well, that yeah, going they, on
2: they, they when it comes to that, they're smart they know who i am don't know who you are don't know if you did something wrong with them if if, if you took anything or different setting mm-hmm. they know all that stuff i mean and um different 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 animals of the same species have completely different personalities just like us um Leonidas, my Eagle out, the first one that I got, <clears throat> He's he's been around everywhere. You know, I, he was my first bird that I purchased for my baby m- by myself. I trained him by myself. Um, he's put me where I'm at right now because of him. And every other week, I, he tries to train me to do something that he wants to do <laughs> that I don't want to do. So, you know, they 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 know. They know what's going on. They know when they're home. They know when it's time to do a show. They know where we're on the road. They know when it's time to, to do different things. They They know all that stuff. And you can read their body language, you know. If you're around them enough, you have to yeah. you, you, you learn um, why he's thinking, if he's going to do it, if he's not going to do it, if, if you know, something is wrong. Um, perfect example of that, um, I have an Agra buzzer that we're going to see later on today. And he, he's a little bit of a uh, – he's all over the place, I guess say. He's not crazy, but he's just very curious of what's going on. We went out to do a show, and he started acting weird. Very weird, looking around, you know, just not normal. I didn't know what was going on. The whole entire time, there was another bird of prey, a red shoulder hawk, in the distance that our eyes cannot see. And he knew he was doing oh, wow! So as soon as we were about to fly, I just happened to just stop and be like, he's acting weird. Let me find out the environment to see what's going on. And one of my guys, uh, he just goes, look what's over there in that tree. And we're like, oh, well, we're not flying. <laughs> so that that's that's six experience and time with them and, and they know although he's never seen that bird species before in his life but he knows mm-hmm. that that's not supposed to be around it. so that nature is still still in in their brain even yes. though they've been completely the whole life that nice. makes
0: me think of one of my favorite photos is from our buddy alan stevens one of his aggies he had it outside and you can see it like there's an eye to the sky mm-hmm. and alan said there was a plane flying over and yeah. that Aki was just like he said; it was just staring it down. It's, yeah, you, it's yeah. funny because you can see it's just dead focused on whatever's going yeah, on up there. As
2: soon as they come out of their their enclosure, they just they know there's something there, and they just you just got to figure it out. And if you don't know, spend enough time with them, you're like, oh, he's just looking around at the cloud. It's like, no, there's there's something there that we cannot see, hear, or feel, and
1: they they know all that stuff. Yeah, so I I think they're very intelligent. Super cool. So. I know everyone's probably dying to ask. So how did you get into all this? I mean, how'd you get into the birds? How'd you get into raptors? How'd you get into snakes and stuff? Well, the
2: the raptors was by mistake. I did everything was by mistake. <laughs> um, I was just very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. When I was um, about 15, 16 years old, um, my mom moved from Connecticut down to South Florida. A mother, single mom with three boys. And I was the oldest brother and I was, you know, I was a pain to ask. Can we curse here? Okay. 100%. Um, so I, was a, I was a pain in the ass, you know, a little punk just doing stupid shit, and then I went to a pet store called Gold Coast Reptiles, and I hung out there every day. Just day. I've never been to nobody. My family's into animals. I was never really into animals. Just never had the opportunity I was around it. Start hanging out there, and then I met the owner, Craig Tillum. And when I met him, for whatever reason, I was just fascinated. Like, this dude is like the greatest guy in the world. Like he just has all these animals, he has nice cars, he has everything there, he has his own business, you know. It was just like, I want to be like that. And it took a little while for me to just, you know, be a pain in the ass and bother him, just like most of us did at pet stores when we were kids. Until, you know, he took me, you know, no, no, no pun intended, but he took me under his wing. Um, and 23, 24 years later. You know, I, I call him dad. My daughter calls him grandpa. And, and that's how I started with the whole reptile world. That's uh, awesome, very, man. Very, and
1: he's very, been he's very, been doing – and Craig's been breeding beardies and everything else for yes, at least 30 years. At least, yeah. He's, yeah. he's done
2: everything. You know, he has a lot of uh, world's first and did a lot of stuff. When He <laughs> was one of the few guys down in, in Florida that was doing stuff at, at that scale. You know, there was a few guys yeah. out there who – he was definitely one. There's a lot of people that we know that, as kids, they bought their first animal from him or, or learned something yeah. from the store, stuff like that, you know. So he, he's not a social media guy, so a lot of people have no clue who he is unless you've been around for 15, 20 years. You really know who he is. Um, but, you know, he, he put me where I'm at, you know, when I started with the reptiles and animals. Um, with the birds, about – Seven years ago, I started working at a uh, Everglades park, and they had a, a bird of prey there, and a common buzzer that she was had. Something was wrong with her feet. I didn't know anything about birds. I really didn't care for birds. I never was my dream. It was never like, I want to do that. Never in my life. My goal was, you know, I'm going to do my boas. I'm going to do my reptiles and do shows and travel and do that cool stuff. Um, so these animals were near my radar. When I was working there, the bird had her feet. I went to a friend of mine. It's Michael Gary from Familia Gardens. And he's like, yeah, she has bumblefoot. She's the very old bird. And uh, the issue is very far along, so she probably not make it. And I'm like, you know what? The odds are against her. Challenge accepted. Let me see what I could do. And through his guidance, about eight months later, she finally healed. And from there, then the obsession with birds of prey came about from working with that bird. And also another big part was uh, Justin Inglato. Um, He had an owl named bird and I used to hang out with him a lot and I was just fascinated with him flying the birds and stuff like that. And that's how basically I got into the birds. And then when it came to the shows, um, a lot of my friends and close friends, they were doing gator shows or big cat shows and stuff like that. And nobody around was doing birds and I happened to like really fall into it and enjoy it and love it. And I'm like, this is cool. And I'm like, there's nobody else doing it like this. Let me go ahead and, and and be able to do something with this. And the rest is history, basically.
1: Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's cool. cool. Especially so, uh, birds of like prey. Because
0: those uh, birds of prey, it's like that's an awesome one to be able to teach people about. Because that's something everyone's pretty much familiar with. Like everyone knows, has seen hawks or owls, you know, or buzzards yeah. even for that matter in their area. Like it's something that people see all the time, may not know anything about. Terms of ecology, exactly,
2: exactly. A lot of the things that we do know about them most of the time is, is stuff through social media, through just stories, not necessarily true. You know, uh, one of the biggest disappointments that I tell people is like owls don't deliver mail. You know, Harry <laughs> Potter's not real. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. You know, the little things like that that we think the way that work a little bit, but they're really very different than what we are, and that's the basis of my presentation. It's not really good, all scientific and. You know, find all their stuff or how they work. It's mostly the stuff that we know to understand them, to respect them, and not think of them as like the same thing with snakes. You know, Mm -hmm. they they might be scary, but they're scary because stories have been told, not for actual incidents that we've had with them. You know, same thing with the prey. Oh, it's gonna take my my little brother or kid. It's gonna take my little dog away. Things like that, and it's not. It it could happen with dogs, but it's not. That's not their main focus of survival. So. A lot of it is debunking mm-hmm. little myths and, and just and and
1: uh, explaining what's real and what's not, for the most nice. part. And I, I imagine it's a lot. I don't want to say it's easier, but I, I imagine that you get a better reaction from the audience with birds because even though people may be intimidated by them, there isn't necessarily as much phobia as there is with like snakes per se. You'd Would you surprised. say that You'd really? Surprise! you be okay.
2: Surprised. Um, I've had people that they see that there's, there's a bird phobia, just like snakes and spiders and everything else. And, and through like scary movies and things like that, they will lose their mind. Um, the hard part is, it's almost like, like if you show one bird for some people, you see them all, right? If you bring one snake out, they see them the rest, unless you go real deep into it. So that's why, uh, every animal that you present differently and you still get that attention span. But but there's people that, that have fear or they're, they've they had uh, bad, you know, dealings with, like, a parrot biting them when they were younger or a duck chasing yeah. them in the lake when they were kids and getting beat up. And they're like, oh, he just hates me. But they don't understand that it was, you know, a territorial thing, probably a mother with eggs or, or that's his home. And we just want to be there. It doesn't mean that we have to be there and something happens. So – we can't be the the we we can't be bad at it I fought for it. We have to play the victim and then that story comes bad. It's like, oh dogs are bad because they chase you. And why do they do? Oh, I don't know. They're just bad at them, you know. So stuff like that. So that's what keeps it a little interesting. Because, you know, different different, different ways they do, but you'd be surprised um, how many people are scared of them or have a bad idea of them from somebody else's experience most of the time. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Tell you what, I didn't have an appreciation for a lot of them until you like see a bald eagle in person and like up close because you yeah. don't realize how big a lot of those birds are. You know, you're so used to seeing them, you know, way up high that you see them in person. You're like, I those are way bigger than yeah. I expected them to be. Yeah, bald
2: eagles well, are a pretty big bird. Um, and he's, uh, my my biggest fascination is just how they're built for that specific thing that they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like an osprey is built. You know they're bassmasters. They're, they're specifically built to catch fish, and the way their feet are, the way their eyesight is, the way they hunt and fly—it's just like, man, that's that's pretty. Yeah, dark.
0: they're just—they're like you know, if you took a missile and a sniper at the same time and put them together. Man, it's just.
2: And and a lot of things that we do right now comes from birds. The way bird uh, planes are built, the way aerodynamics are—you know, birds. People don't understand how they fly. Like, how can you flap your wings and? Fly faster, slower. You know, we can't do it. You know, I mean, there's just the way they are. Able, they're built to be able to do that. It's uh, it's pretty amazing.
0: And thermals yeah. and all that stuff.
1: Exactly. Yep. I I'm just amazed that like every time I see your animals, or even if I'm just like the zoo, it's it's crazy the the vocal range. Like we see an owl and we think it goes hoo hoo. You know, they don't. Oh. you do realize the extreme vocal range those have. Or like bald eagles have that high pitched whistle. Like I would bald never expect that. Like
2: chickens. Bald eagles are glorified seagulls.
1: <laughs> and that's like another
2: thing. Like when we see Western movies, we hear this big, powerful roar from an eagle flying around. In reality, it's not a bald eagle. It's a red, uh, red-tailed hawk that does that 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 noise.
1: So yeah, they're just using the sound clip.
2: They're just using the sound clip of a red-tailed hawk instead of a bald eagle. bald eagle is more like chirping. Most eagles don't have that. That roar, or that we see as like powerful, that we see on TV. So it it is, and yeah, all owls. I have a a spectacle owl here, and one day when she was growing up, I went um outside and heard a weird noise, and I'm like, "What in the world is that?" Couldn't figure out for the life of me, and it was the owl making a completely different vocalization I've never heard before. And then when she was just communicating, and I didn't, I didn't even know about it. So. Yeah, it's and I cool. have so many different species. Um, right now, we have 10 different species of bird, and they're so different. It's, it's ridiculous how different they are. Some things are like, that's not well, – there's no way that it's that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, that's that bird. Makes what's, big difference.
0: The, what's the day-to-day maintenance on those, like – I mean, you go through well, a lot of rodents, I, yeah?
2: <laughs> well, they eat every single day. Um, they eat every single day. My bigger birds uh, will eat a large rat every single day um other ones will eat uh small rats or large mice every single day so every day they have to be fed um and though the variety the diet is very variety depending on time of year um, if they're molting or not between quail chicks um rats um, rabbits you know so it all depends so it, it does get up there with a lot of but the everyday thing is is what is what hurts the pocket <laughs> You got to go change your waters, you know, break out their enclosures. Their um, so it's, it's not like, like I said, it's very different than reptiles when you could do it once or twice a week and you're good with it.
1: With these guys, it's like a, every single day, um, some type of maintenance you have to do with them. And forgive me for not knowing exactly how to phrase this, but I know like at a lot of the zoos, a lot of the bird sanctuaries, they'll take some of the raptors and they'll put them on like a pedestal outside. Yeah. Do you do you do something similar? Is that is that like that's a, that's a necessity?
2: No, that's a perch. Well, it depends, and that's a it's called a perch. Um, and yeah, if you want to display the animal in one area, you you put them on there. Um, they're not restrained, like you know, they're in pain, like a shock collar or anything like that. Um, it's the same equipment as a dog when you're walking your dog outside. You know, you have a leash and you have a collar. With bird terms, it's just called anklets and and a leash. You know, so uh injustice and these are which other equipment they have and that's just to keep them stationary safe because a lot of them are not native to here and we know how um having a uh, non-native animals could mess up the wildlife here in florida and lot all other places in the country so that's a place to hold them safe without them having to do anything um and yeah they're they're we do it when we're cleaning or we're doing displays and things like that yeah they're going to perch when to them it's like anything else um now, birds are not always flying, and that's one of the misconceptions people have. Like they have to fly all the time, Like they don't. We just see happen to see that one part, particular bird flying, but if there's no reason for food, mate, or safety, there's no reason to expend energy just to go. Oh, it's a beautiful day, and let me just go for a fly. It doesn't work like that. And and these guys are used to doing that since they're young. You know, when it's time to fly, it's time to fly. When it's time to sit in their perch, it's time to sit in their perch. And it's just another day, just like having your dog sit stay. And let's go for a walk is the same thing
1: very cool very cool i didn't know if there was some kind of like uv necessity or you know, because you always see them like like especially i remember at a couple of zoos when i was younger the the bird enclosures always had like heavy shade and canopy and then for an hour or two they take something out and stick it on the perch
2: well they do the different places have
1: different ideas how to keep
2: them um Me, personally, my bird cages have both. You know, they have their security to keep away from the elements with their cover in their corner, and then the rest of the cage is wide open. So they get sun if they want to get sun, and they want to get, you know, a tan. They go get a tan, whatever they want. They have that option. And they have perches on the floor and the sides, everywhere else. So they they could – whatever they feel want to do that day, that's what they're going to be in. Nice. Nice. And they do have their favorite spot, just like chickens, you know, that they go to their favorite coop and go to their spot, these guys – have their favorite perch that they're gonna hang out and sleep in and and get their best view. So they're all accustomed to that. But yeah, they do need they do need sunlight. That 100 percent yeah.
1: Yes, for oh. everyone everyone curious about keeping a bald eagle in their closet, not gonna work. <laughs>
2: bald eagles a, <laughs> lot <of> work, <laughs> a lot of work, man. That's a lot of that's a big animal. Very rewarding, but yeah, it's gonna be
1: tough in your you say. Surely your that's closet. illegal too. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't meet the cage requirements. What uh, what are? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. How your big How bigger your enclosures? Because I'll be honest, I don't think I've been to your new house.
2: No, you haven't been
1: here. you Haven't been. Yeah, you yeah. To
2: my old one where I had yeah. the dog when I'm here. Um, depending on the bird, like some birds I have are real big, some are smaller. So it depends on the the type of species they are. Um, my original eagle owls, which are my biggest birds that I have, those guys are uh, they're a the twelve by twenty by eight foot. Um, they're called mews. Um, which is like a bird cage which is a lot bigger uh, my smaller birds like my little spectacle owl, my screech owls and, and everything else are you know 10 by twelves or 8 by twelves. so different sizes for different species
1: yeah I don't imagine you need as much space in the screech owl as you do with like Leo you know no no not at all
2: sometimes and even the cage he's in right now sometimes you sit there for a minute looking for him and he's in the corner and you can't even see him
1: nice nice yeah, that's cool, man. That's very cool. Yeah, people are uh, uh, we're trying to watch the comments as it's going, and it, there's a, there's a couple different uh, leads going through. Uh, Tava Server wants to know if you've seen the Mongolian steppe people use the golden eagles to hunt. Yes,
2: yes, that's pretty amazing, man. Um, what those people do, and that was, you know, that's like the art of falconry. Um, and those those they use golden eagles, and that's how those people survive. They need that animal to survive. Um, the food feeds the animal and the fur takes care of them for the hot for those hot winters, for the cold winters. So there there is um there's a lot too that that those those guys do out there. It's, it's uh, very tough terrain. Um it'll be a dream to go check it out, but I don't think I'll make it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, I got that's, you. That's rough out there, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's a little cold for us, South Florida boys. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll die. I'll die. I'll die. Despite how luscious your beard may be.
2: I know, right? The only thing won't be my chin. <laughs> that's it. But I, I'm also a falconer, so we I do have birds that, that I do hunt with. Um, and when we do hunting for them, that's that's their food. You know, when we catch uh whatever we might catch out there, squirrels or whatnot, that's gonna be what they eat. So, you know, I, it's not just let me just kill it and
1: go away from it. It's like no, they they put this on themselves. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you. I didn't know. Like, I was going to try and segue it at some point, but do you mind explaining the difference between falconry and bird abatement and just kind of the different avenues of it, if you don't mind? Um, well, there's um, there's there's different roles with birds. Um, falconry,
2: basically, you you're able to trap a bird from the wild, right? It has to be a uh, first-year bird, so he's still a baby. He's just learning how to live his life. You train him to hunt. You build a bond with that bird. You go out there and hunt with him. And once season's over, he goes right back to the wild. Um, a very high percentage of birds of prey die within the first year of life. So when you have that bird, that you know, some people are like, oh my god, I took a bird from the wild. There's a big chance that bird was going to die, unfortunately. Once you take that bird, you're teaching him how to hunt different prey that will never hunt prey that particular species. Sometimes. And you, bring, you let him releasing a bird that's mature, ready to reproduce again into the wild, if you do it right. Um, so, it, and that's a lot of work. That's a lot. I mean, when I get that bird, we'll get it usually in September that we go trap him. And for the next month, I don't leave my couch, basically. We're sitting there with that bird in my face. We've building in a bond, learning, teaching him that we're friends, that we're going to fly. And then we go out in the woods or wherever we can and, and look for game. Um, abatement, abatement was very big in Europe and they um what it is is like when we go to hotels or or anywhere that we go there's a gathering and a lot of the grackles or pigeons and whatnot our seagulls are you know pooping in our food pooping in our seat when we're sitting down and stuff like that um basically you fly different bird um to scare them away using their same thing as nature would do you know once that bird flies across the pool every little bird that's going to be around there is going to take off um, they're all federal permits. You just cannot grab a bird and go out there, like I'm gonna start clearing and make money on it. It doesn't work like that. Um, it's not easy, but it is it's, it's uh there's different levels to it as well. And different birds are better for different things, you know. For me personally, I love red tailed hawks. That's what I use for my falconry birds, that's what I go hunting with. And then I have my Harris Hawks, and those guys we do abatement with.
1: Very cool. How how long does it take to become an apprentice with the falconry stuff?
2: Well, you have to, first you have to take the t- Here in Florida, um, you have to take a test. Once you pass the test, you have to find a sponsor that will sponsor you. Um, and then it takes two years. You have to uh, train the bird for two seasons, hunt with the bird for two seasons. And then your your sponsor says, you know enough, I taught you well, whatever it is, and sign off on it, and then you can become a uh general falconer and after seven years then you could become a master falcon wow
1: seven years wow
2: the uh now now you you said said there's two years to have your own personal bird
1: okay and then that bird that you used for the apprenticeship is that the same bird for the two years or is it constantly different birds it could be up to you
2: i use two different birds every year i use different ones i know other people that use the same bird for two seasons there's no law you could which bird it is, but your your sponsor will tell you which bird you're gonna use. Mostly here in Florida it's most likely gonna be a Red tailed Hawk or Red Tail Hawk. Mostly red tail hawks. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. So it is it is uh it takes a lot and it's 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 a lifestyle when it comes to the falconing stuff because you know, you have to make sure you're doing your equipment. You're actually he you don't need you. Because you're actually hunting with the bird that is gonna go out there you know the first time that i hunted with a bird i was freaking out because once you do enough practices of him flying with you and you're spending all time with him it's like you go outside to the woods or wherever you're gonna go you throw him in a tree and you start walking then yeah. you hope he follows you <laughs> That's That's, it. i no... mean what's
0: how how do you train something that you've captured to
2: come back time time <laughs> Uh, just time building up bond and and reward. You know, you cannot yell at them. You cannot like uh, you're not gonna correct them like we correct other animals. You know, they they don't work like that. If they have something that you cannot do, like you just have to work around that behavior to turn it around to where you're at. It's time taking, but um, it just takes a lot of time that he knows that you're you're a safe source of food, basically. But at the same time, you want him to hunt for his own thing and still be with you. You know, so. It's, it's it was for me personally it was it was scary especially I did I did my shows before I did falconry which was backwards so when I'm doing my shows my flights that bird always has to look at me to see where we're gonna go next when he goes to falconry that bird is just he's hunting so I was freaking out I'm like he's not looking at me he's not paying attention he's gonna fly away I was losing my mind but uh my people were like just relax he'll, he'll come back and sure enough. Came back,
1: (laughs) but it's awesome.
2: It's scary. The first time was definitely, it's it's always, I guess, it's always scary, but it gets you adrenaline pumping when you know that you could have an animal that was wild at one point, train them, be able to survive, hunt with them, and then let them go back into the wild and make more babies.
1: Super cool, man! Super cool.
0: How has anybody used that for conservation efforts, like to be able to keep? like healthy, thriving animals being released back into wild populations? Has anybody actually used falconry purposefully for that sort of sort Well, of thing?
2: there's a big story, and I don't want to say it because I don't know exactly 100% of the facts, but if you look on the history of the peregrine falcon, that bird was almost extinct at one point because of uh, chemicals in, in farms where the eggs were buried, buried the shells were very thin, they were cracking and through falconers keeping those animals in captivity and breeding them, we have we still have the peregrine falcon. That's one of the biggest falconry um that I'm aware of. on uh, conservation efforts. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. So it's uh it could do a lot of good. I mean the right hands is a lot of good. Let me um you guys want to see one of the birds? How does
0: keeping the owls compare to the
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead what's the question?
0: I would say how do the owls come like keeping the owls compared to keeping the hawks is there a clear difference in terms of like behaviors and sort of quirks? Oh
2: yeah, there's there's t- they're two different worlds, man. It's like keeping a coyote and keeping a dog at your house. Like it's just they're very different. Most most owls depending how they are they're very easy going um some hogs like you know they're they're different like i said my hogs that i use are for for my hunting that i use so they're not used to being a bird that's going to get touched and play with and like you know be around you know people they're they're they're, they're weapons basically <laughs> compared to my owls i don't hunt with them and we use them for our presentations so they tolerate a lot more you know species wise and the way they raised and i raise them and, and condition them they're they're completely different come different than animals remember they don't love you They just tolerate us. You know, I love him. He just tolerates me, and that's just how it works. But uh, let me get Leo out here. because He's getting a little antsy in his cage. Want to come up,
1: bro? Yeah, you can hear him. Billy Jenkins makes a good point. It's literally night and day. (laughs) Yeah. Come here, bro.
2: Come on. Come say hi.
1: There you go. You want to make him full screen, Justin? Oh, yeah. Look at him, man.
2: So this year, hold on, Leo. <laughs> Relax. I got my little Yorkie around. Um, come here. Fix your feet. Fix your feet. Come say hi. So this year is United. He's a seven and a half year old the Eurasian eagle owl. Um, he is a big boy. Only weighs about four and a half pounds, which to most of us doesn't seem like a lot of weight And so, you got to hold him with one hand. Then he gets uh, fairly heavy. But um, yeah. he's uh, one of the largest alligators yeah. <laughs> in the world. He's a big boy. He has big, big feet. Let me see if I can show you guys there his talons. I don't know if you guys can see him it's really good. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, those guys hurt. Those guys hurt. <laughs> he has about five hundred pounds of pressure per. Yeah, I can't imagine now. it would.
0: It would take a whole lot of. Yeah, it's not going to take much, I'm sure, to break the skin with those bad boys.
2: Not at all. It sucks. <laughs> It sucks. But their talents, they're 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 their tool, you know. Um when they catch their prey, those talents will penetrate mm-hmm. the, the animal's body, and that's how they uh, get their kill. It's is to their talents. But they're they're pretty amazing birds. Um and me and Leo have a very good, you know, very close bond. I spent every single day with him. His whole life it's only just been a few days without him being next to me. But he he's very curious, little chicken wing here.
1: Too
2: cool, man. Too cool. Right now, it's in molt, too. So, it's just every year, they go through a molt where they lose their old feathers and grow their new ones. Get out of here, Max. And um, that's not lunch. He's my little dog.
0: <laughs> that that <laughs> swivel head just cracks me up. Like yeah, the thing
2: about robot. Most people think that they could turn their head uh, 360 degrees. And if they turn their head 360 degrees, they could uh, only do that once in a lifetime not true <laughs> <laughs> um, but depending on the species they go between 180 to 220 degrees and the reason they have to do that is because their their eyes let me get my over here their eyes don't they don't really have eyeballs look over here Leo they have more like eye tubes so their eyes are placed in their head so in order for them to look around they have to move their heads you know, if we want to see the world how now most birds are prey look at the world. Just put binoculars on, and you have to do the same movements to be able to look around your surroundings, and that's how they move their heads a lot, right, Leo? But they're always looking around their their environment and don't see much new. What's going on? What's
0: up? T- don't they have one ear that's bigger than the other? Is no, that a no thing? that's the thing. Is that, ears, that a thing with all, all owls?
2: One ear, oh. one ear is up and one ear is down, and, and they're right behind. Uh, okay. They're able to listen around like these guys is like the gray horn owl. A lot of people confuse him with being a great horn owl, but our gray horn owl is a little smaller. Hey, come here, come here, Max. I know, cause Max, get Max. Hold on one second. Get Max out of here, cause he wants to get Max. Um, <laughs> they're um, yeah, you guys get very uh a lot uh confused with the great horn owl that we have here in North America. They have these little things up here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The little tassels right. and stuff, um, and those are actually for their um, for the camouflage. So if you look at him, the way they hunt is very different than other birds. Where these guys would just perch themselves in the in a branch and wait for the food to come to them, compared to other birds that prey that fly around looking for their food. That's when we see television and stuff. All the animals in the forest go to the old wise owl, uh, in reality is just Uber eats you know they just wait there for the food to come to them so they have to have amazing camouflage so up here this is like little branches when they, they're in the tree and they fit in perfectly with their environment like a big log so most people think that these are their ears but it's not just like little orange or tassels uh, greyhorn owls are orange uh, yellow eyes and they're gray and black Eurasians are orange eyes and they're brown
1: and dark brown too freaking cool man Too freaking cool. That thing's cool.
0: Yeah, that is.
2: I like him. (laughs) You can't have none of that. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's a trip. Usually when we do presentations, he'll drink out of a water bottle from me. So every time he sees me do something, he's like, is that for me? I'm like, no.
1: Not that. You got to fly home, bro. It's crazy how you say he's only four pounds, but he's got to be, what, uh, at least two feet tall, right?
2: Something like that. I'm only 150.
1: Like, you know. <laughs> you just look big. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure, pal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, he's about, you know, 20, 24 inches. It's not that. He's big, you know. A lot of stories you hear from people that saw a bird that was four feet, like waist high when they're walking around. That's just fear. You know, it's just like that thing that was 20 feet long and it was a little razor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, my female that I have, uh, Eagle Owl, she weighs seven pounds. So she's almost twice as big as him. And she, she's Ooh, big. Wow. Yeah. And she's a very big uh, specimen, a, si- a big size for a species. That's awesome. But yeah. He's, have he's, you done any
0: breeding with them. any of them?
2: No, I do not breed any of them. Um, there's enough of them around. There's a lot of people that do that. And I just do not do that. Because once I, I start so. breeding them, if I breed them, the animal, I'm never going to use it. I cannot do what I love to do. Okay. So there's not, there's no, there's no, for me personally, reptiles, yes, birds, no.
0: That's right? wild. like, what do you do? Oh, I breed owls.
2: It's like, yeah, are <laughs>
0: the most <laughs> random.
2: Oh, one time, man, uh, one of the birds cut my wrist with his feet, and um, I went to a, uh, publix this older lady was rang me up and then she just looks at me and she goes sir you know things could be worse and gives me this little Bible quote and I'm like okay well, what's up with that and she saw my hand she probably <laughs> thought I was a cutter or something <laughs> and I was just had to say thank you because I no to know my owl that scratched me like that she wasn't gonna believe that either so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> she just gotta take it I like, It's yes. <laughs>
1: the way it is so sometimes things like that do happen when it's pretty funny. That's crazy, man. I never heard that story. That's a good story, man. I like that. Yeah. Uh, dude, and it's crazy because like he's just chilling with you, you know. But at the same time, the head is totally yeah. swiveling, watching everything, like just yeah. looking at everything.
2: He's calm, and now that I came out, he hasn't been inside the house in a little while. Uh, just it's been raining down here every single day, so they've been outside. So once he looked around a little bit, he's like, "Okay, there's something going on." The dogs put away. He's like, "Okay." This is what we're doing right now. But to even to get them to this park takes takes a lot of time because naturally they won't just sit here with, you know, dogs walking around with other birds and everything going around in circles. So they, just, they won't be sitting here. But he's still curious. Yeah. To, know, uh, the other thing is, is the echoes. Like, we don't realize it, but sometimes... If you ever see one looking straight back at a wall, we're like, why is he just staring at the wall? And we don't realize the sound waves coming off the back of the wall. So he doesn't hear you from the front, he hears you from the back. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. turn around to do that. That's how sensitive their hearing is. So everything they do, there is a reason for it. You just need to know what that reason is.
1: Very cool. Do, do their eyes have the ability to, to see the screen or like TV? Because I know, like with dogs, if your TV is not HD, like if it's an old school <laughs> tube TV, I'm pretty sure someone, please correct me if I'm mistaken, that if it's a tube TV, the dog can't see it correctly, but like an HD one, they can see it perfectly fine, which is why your dog will respond to your HD TV, but your dog won't respond to your FaceTime on your phone.
2: That, I have no clue, because I have a doorman. She's supposed to be my security dog, and this beautiful specimen of an animal will sit in the couch and stare at the cameras all day long without moving. Until... (laughs) something moves in the camera and she knows which camera is where, And she'll go to that spot. And she's never been trained to do that. Wow. She did it on her own. And that's, it's not, it's an old little flat screen. Like one of the first ones on TV is probably 10 years old and she could see through that or so. I don't know. Now these guys, sometimes he does see movement on the cell phone screen, but he's been desensitized to cell phones. So he just sees it as just another object. Nothing that is going to be there, you know, it's just different things.
1: Nice. And, uh, the people want to know what you're drinking.
2: I am drinking um, Crown Royal
1: Apple. It's my
2: drink of choice tonight. Excellent. Excellent. So I, re- I ran out of beer. I used to drink Modelo beer, but today I just have a little,
1: little apple, apple drink. I'll, t- I'll tell you, man, like, we get beer at my work for, like, right when we close, we'll all crack open a cold one. And, dude, the Especial, man, that's, like... That's I like the it's... go-to. That's the go-to modello, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, I enjoy it. You know, um, I'm not really a beer, big beer drinker. So, if it's not that, I go to the basics. We just Miller Lite. I don't, I don't. am not a big craft beer person because I'm not. You know, it just doesn't do it for me. So I just stick with the, uh, with the Modelo, the fancy stuff.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it, dude. It's so cool, man. He's just chilling, watching TV with you. You
2: know. Yeah, that's it. Just keep an eye on the dog, the cat. Just walking around the house and just
1: another day, just hanging out. Have a uh, Have you ever had a close call with another pet? You know, whether it be bird or otherwise. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: I have a I have a Siamese cat. Actually, Jana, bring the cat over here. You might get to see a different. Just key look at his facial expressions when he sees it. you might change.
1: Here, uh, make him full screen, Justin. Bring him over here. I know.
2: Give me. So these guys have been accustomed to seeing each other already. So he doesn't really care for the cat, just like let him go. But this beautiful cat here, Jack Jack the Beanstalk here, he um when he was a little baby, he um I had a, a sacred falcon and two um Harris hawks that I was training for for abatement with birds. So. They didn't care about the cat or rats or anything else. All they wanted to do was just go after birds. And they were babies, too. So the cat grew up with those hawks as, like, you know, they were just in the house. So I used to sleep with them and drink water out of the bowl. Like, they didn't really care for them. They, they respected each other's boundaries. But um, once the cat got bigger and had other birds, he thought that, yeah, we're going to be friends. I'm going to go mess with you. So there's been times where... Where he came close, but the cat usually stays, it stays away, you know. That's like one of the biggest dangers is when you're teaching a bird to hunt and then you have other animals in the house, they all need to respect their boundaries. But with Leo here, he's he's been around everything his whole entire life. So to him, it's just as long as they don't touch him, he could anything could walk by him. Tigers, uh, elephants, dogs, cats. As long as he's not a little dog. He does not like little dogs. That That's for sure. That's cool, that's, though, man. That's, that's super cool. That's scary when you're doing a show, a flight show, and and somebody in the audience wants to bring their little purse dog, An ankle biter. Yeah. Oh yeah. man! One time, one time we were flying in um in the Keys. Um, it's probably one of the scariest days of my life. And he was in <laughs> first, another side of the event. He's flying towards me, and he stops, and he starts looking at the crowd. But he had that look on him, and I'm like, what in the world is looking? So I started looking at the crowd to figure out what he's focused on and he wasn't moving he was just staring at it and i see this lady feeding a baby with a little like a leopard print blanket so i scream i'm like lady with the baby turn around please oh man and she's like why am i just turn around you're gonna lose the baby so she turns around and he didn't move he's still staring at her so i'm like okay so it's not her what is going on well there was another lady that had a little little lap dog in her chest and I'm like, oh lord, this is gonna suck. <laughs> oh so man. Started, I'm not gonna run, so I'm gonna gallop towards him. And I told the lady, turn around, please. And as soon as she turned around, he's like, oh, Okay, there's nothing there. All right, where are we going now? And like just turned off like that. Crazy. You know, but another two, five, two or three seconds, and and he would have done what he does, you know. So little things like that when we do in our presentations is, is stuff you have to look at. So I've never had an accident, knock on wood, or or things like that, but there's been times that if I didn't Funny, had the experience with them or don't know how to read their body language, it could have been a lot worse.
1: Oh, yeah, man, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But,
2: but yeah, the other equipment I was telling you about, let me see if it was stand on three. Now, Leo has about a five and a half foot wingspan. Oh, hold on. There you go. Uh, this right here is oh, like their leash and their anklets. Like, as you can see, this is just like a collar mm-hmm. and a dog. It doesn't, doesn't hurt them or nothing. It's just there's me holding them. Like, yeah. Just so it stays there. That's it. For some people, think it's like contracting them or like a choke collar and things like that. And it's like, nah, it's just regular equipment we use on every other animal too.
1: Right, Leo. And how nope. often you guys obviously have those Thank big you. gauntlet gloves? Uh, how often do you have to like replace those gloves? Like, do I mean I know they're thick leather, but
2: it depends. I mean, if you like any other equipment, you know, part of the part of the, you take care of it it'll last you a long time, especially with the talents not being too sharp. Um, we don't trim their talents or nothing like that, but with the prey that we give them and their closure, they just naturally trim them down. So, you know, i probably go through a glove a year, maybe or every two years, if that. For these guys, my hunting birds, I might go through a glove a season if you don't take care of it, just because it gets wet, it gets nasty, this and that, and it's just, you know, it's just the outdoor stuff, but my my presentation gloves and stuff like that, it could last a while. And yeah, like, I just so they, they withstand. Now is you're not gonna hurt the child that I gotta go through, it, but you still feel the pressure when they squeeze. Nice. Yeah, that definitely yeah. um
1: happens. Yeah, I didn't know if like you maintenance them like like use saddle leather, like saddle yeah. wash They're and stuff. Okay.
2: Leather. Yeah, you don't you really just wipe them down, but yeah, just like regular leather. If you let it crack, it's gonna go bad. Yeah. So you know I use um this beeswax type deal is organic that way mm-hmm. the birds for whatever reason eat it when they're eating their food or whatever it doesn't affect them at all and then just you know once a month or once every other month just let it up real good and, and they last and these girls are expensive I mean they're they're from 70 to 100 and something dollars each yeah let be cheap man yeah no, they're not cheap at all but they last you a while so it's like anything else they care of it; they'll they'll last. Get ready to go away. Any other any other questions about owls?
0: Is there any specific process as far as is yeah, as far as getting them adjusted to like crowds and stuff when you do presentations? Is there any sort of process you go through with with that, or is it kind of just head first throwing them in? You know,
2: from when they're babies. You know, when when they first come here, um, there's people around. The TV's on, you know, everything. They're just getting accustomed to everything, their surroundings. Um, Leo used to do presentations in a little bucket when he didn't even know how to fly. So, it was used to everything else like that. And my daughter was just born. They're almost the same age. So, she grew up with a toddler around. Other that, you know, she was touching him and stuff like that at a young age. But, you know, he heard hear the baby cry and everything else. So, it doesn't, you know, they're just used to it. They Just are rotted every single day for the most part. Birds are. So once they first when I first get them and I have a presentation, they're gonna be doing it, you know. They're not gonna work, they're just gonna sit there, but they'll be around it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just getting desensitized, you know.
2: Desensitize that. And the biggest thing is cell phones. So that's the biggest problem that uh, most people have with birds of prey is the cell phone because nobody's his cameras no more. So, you know, you're holding the bird like I am right now, somebody comes and puts a cell phone around right their face to take a flash and things like that. Yeah. yeah. That might spook them. But when this guy says their babies, their cell phone's right next to them. So they hear all the phone calls when they ring out so of nowhere, the flashes and stuff like that. So they don't care. Like right now, my cell phone, like put the phone right here.
1: <laughs> and just like, What's that. <laughs>
3: that's,
1: that's terrifying. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> hilariously adorable. I love it. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, he don't care. You know, if it was another bird, he'll <laughs> try to fly away, try to bite it, or just lose his mind. He looks like he it. cares. He is a yeah. kid. Yeah, just, yeah. just get out of my face, But like, he's not moving. <laughs> right? 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 Ah, don't be mean. He's like, "Not in front of my friends. So don't embarrass me, Dad. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: <laughs> Too cool, men, well, and they that, man. Well, Phil brought up a good
0: point the other day when we were talking about cell phones. You were talking about infrared and like you think the reason snakes seem to like dart when we're taking pictures of them is because of that infrared from the phone. Isn't that what you were talking about the other yeah. day, Phil?
1: Yeah, I, I think so somebody along else those lines it, lines? Yeah, somebody else brought it a up.
0: Similar and, uh, scenario.
1: Yeah. Someone someone else had brought it up and I commented that I had personally noticed it with carpet pythons and with a lot of the geckos because For me, you know, I I only have the cell phone, so I'm I'm trying to get super close and I don't want to use the flash until the very last second because I want to try and get as much pupil open as possible for the photo because after that first flash, the pupil's gonna tighten up and yeah. So I was actually, I was trying to do it with uh, red light and with black light and noticing like what geckos and what snakes didn't like the red or the the black light or what have you. And then somebody was talking about how Even if you even if you don't have the flash on your phone, the phone is still letting out an infrared light for whatever reason, and they can still the the animals can still see it, but we can't. Yeah. In terms of spectrum.
2: Yeah, that could be true. I mean, I I really don't know. I I look at it more as like if it's a nocturnal animal and they see a flash, they don't see that in their whole entire life.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's gonna
2: spook them. When you're at night, the reason they're doing things at night is so they won't be caught. So when they see a light, they're like, What in the world is this?
0: You know, uh, I I just uh, I would think with with such sensitive eyes and visual. ears and things like that that maybe they'd be but more like it'd, it'd be just overload for them and that they'd probably drive them crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah I think a lot of those geckos yeah. too. Everything goes on eyesight, you know. Mm-hmm. These guys, their tools is everything. in Their head, their eyes, and their ears. These guys could hear, you know, things underneath the ground moving around. So you know, the the light makes a difference, but you know, they just have more different tools to be like. This is not happening. This is happening. Then, then I think are nocturnal animal, but it could be true. I mean, we don't see it, so.
1: But but that'd be a pretty cool study, though. I think. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's crazy. I I forgot about that whole like hearing stuff. Well, it wasn't until
0: Phil had mentioned it that I noticed
2: it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've never paid attention to that
2: because I think there's a delay. That's why it keeps. From their young, I, uh, you know, I'm already, I'm already this is it't to cell phone so if there is something like that going on they just you know it's part of what's supposed to be there you know so it doesn't make right. it doesn't change for them super really? cool man. let me put them away now because my hand is getting numb
1: <laughs> yeah go ahead man go ahead oh. <laughs>
2: Uh, we got here. Come here. Oh, she's dying to be here. Come here. Come here. Come here. This is uh, look, look at the camera. <laughs> this is Deanna. This is one of the the babysitters of most of the birds and and raised two owls in the herd belt already. Nice. Nice. She's shot on camera, but give her five minutes in there.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the next generation, good. right? Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. She's definitely uh, she's definitely doing a lot of stuff.
0: What were you know. keeping when you were heavy into boas?
2: Mostly uh, red tails. I did a lot of more stuff. Um, BPIs, a lot of uh, cow stuff. I didn't really mess around with Sharp. Um, like I said, my father, well, I call my dad Craig. He had reptile stores and everything else. So everything we bred was mostly for 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 dad, things like that, just to supply and demand. Um, a lot of Motley's, best, That's probably one of my favorites. More so Arabesque at the time. Um, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with them. I do miss it. There's nothing like middle of the night smelling that baby goo <laughs> from my little boys. It's there's nothing like it. So I do miss it, and sometimes I want to get back into it, but it's like, man, I got too much on my plate. Yeah, it's the smell of victory, man.
1: Yeah. So now
2: it's just, I mean, mostly thing I do right now is like little rat puts and little turtles and things like that that I breed, but nothing, nothing out of this world.
1: And Craig had a, a whole line of Hog Islands too,
2: didn't he? Yeah, we both had a Hog Island, but the the one snake that Craig had that was real big was the the Sunset woman so It was almost patternless. Really, he had for a while, yeah, and that's talking fifteen years ago already. I don't know why it happened with that project, but yeah, yeah, he, he had Hog Islands. Um, he bred everything, you know, and when he had the store, so everything was. We bred out other stuff, you know, Yeah. before incubators. I remember when I was a kid, we get all of our corn snake and kingsnake eggs and just put them in the pantry on the top away from the AC, put them there, and then one day just come mm-hmm. home and there's babies everywhere. You know, Bearded Dragon is the same thing, you know.
1: Too cool, man. Very yeah, I, man. <laughs> I remember last time I actually, like, because, I mean, I see Craig, like, when he goes to Daytona and stuff, and I might see him in passing it here and there, but he, he doesn't know who I am. He, he doesn't remember me. But I remember working for Jay for a while, and it, that was where we got all the beardies from. And we would buy 150, 200 baby beardies from him. And he yeah. still had clutches for the whole season. Man, and when he
2: goes into something like that, man, he goes in crazy. Um, but, yeah, when I was young, um, I remember him producing, you know, close to probably a thousand beard dragons in his porch. Yeah, um, Same thing with Ackie's and ball pythons and all the colubrids. And right now, what people talk about ball pythons now, 15 years ago it was colubrids. Every table you walk by it was just nothing but corn snakes and king snakes and things like that. You know, times just changed Not to ball pythons because you keep 30 ball pythons in the same space you keep five boas, you know? Yeah. yeah. But there was a time where mm-hmm. everybody was
1: doing colubrids and he was, he was
2: pumping a lot of animals at that time. Yeah, man.
1: Cool. So, so talk about some venomous, man. What what do you got that right now?
2: Well, man, right now at my house, I have, like I said, I have uh, some Easterns. I have some Timbers um, and that's about it. I still have never produced an Eastern. It's still a gold of mine, but I haven't put the time in to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, But one day, one day I'll come across it, but I, I love, there's something about them. I'm not, I'm not a Cobra person. As long as yeah. you know me, I've never owned a cobra. Like I, I, work with them. I could handle them and do things with them, but they just don't do it for me. <laughs> um, I get it. But just something I bought a rattlesnakes are just, just the way they move, the way they hunt, yeah. just the way they are. I and mean,
0: especially easterns, man. That's such a. I I equate those to like, the the tiger of the southeast. Like you see a decent sized one. There's nothing more like, commanding of respect. And I guess regal is probably the word that I use for yeah. it. But, like, there's – there's, you don't stumble across any other snake and go, oh, my God. Like, that thing is just so majestic in a sense. Yeah. That, you know? I, yeah.
2: And and I think a lot of that for us – I mean, we're in Florida, so, you know, you can see them all the time. Um, But it's still, like, an amazing animal. But I also think in the pet trade, you don't have 30 different morphs of them. Yeah. So, it keeps them – just a normal eastern –
0: you don't animal. need anything else.
2: You don't need nothing else. It's yeah. just so so beautiful, and different locales are a little more yellow than the other ones, a little more
1: white, and, and oh man, it's
2: just a beautiful animal, man. And their size is just just amazing.
1: Oh yeah, super impressive. Yeah. You don't still have you don't still have that one that we got from Matt and Jamie, do you? No, no, no. That okay.
2: animal, that animal actually passed away not so long ago.
1: Okay, I think it was like
2: like two years ago. And passed away. Yeah, because um, that thing was that thing was good size when we got it, you know? Yeah. No, that was like a four-and-a-half-foot, four-and-a-half, five-foot snake, man. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But it never did really good eating, at least here. And I think once I moved to this new place, everything changed, environment changed, and, and fusing around. The one that I have right now was uh, gifted to me by uh, Ray Hunter. That's the one that I have. The used something that I have here right now. Cool, man. And it's about... Five
0: feet, good size
2: one. Nice, nice. Yeah. I
0: I remember when he got when he got hit by one years ago. Yeah,
2: that's a bad bite, man. That is a bad, bad bite. Yeah, no matter how how you look at it, that's a bad bite. I wouldn't wish that bite on anybody. It's just so much, so fast. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's a high yield. Yeah think The same thing with that? Is you guys Is there anything they, with the... the
0: huh? I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a, and, and a like, little bit of a delay. So a it,
2: thing, the, the locale of them will, will be completely mm-hmm. different level of dangerous, you know? So, if you don't know what you got or where you came from, going to be a little bit of a problem with it.
0: I think in a conversation that I had with Ray years ago, I mean, I was, I was a, like a teenager and I was talking to him and I think you had mentioned the ones that I have here in my area which is in the very bottom corner of South Carolina on the Georgia border on the coast the ones we have here you know up into like Charleston and stuff they're they have a much higher neurotoxicity than than other areas
2: yeah I've heard that about the eastern center timbers like the higher the elevation mm-hmm. there is the, the stronger the that toxic is well, it makes sense you know everything has to die a lot faster up there than down here. What, uh, what locality are mm-hmm. your game breaks? Mine's came from, Ray got this for me. I think it came from the west coast of Florida. So that's where that one is from. Cool. Awesome. So, so it's not as crazy as the ones you guys up there. <laughs> My timber came from north Florida, so that one is, uh, that one's spicy. Nice, nice. And he's a little little worm that just wants to kill anything that goes near him. You want aggressive, yeah, aggressive timber.
1: Yeah. yeah, I got I got a North Florida that's two years old. It's man, hard to and beat
2: a, you, a pink Cambric.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, where's the, yours from?
1: Oh, I got I got a North Florida one. That's it's a captive bred from North Florida parents, and yeah. and it was it was a gift from Marcus. And dude, that thing is so <laughs> spastic. It it thinks it's a Western.
2: Oh my God. And like I was I, stuck at five six feet.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a, that's the thing too. Is like uh, he's growing at, at a decent rate. I, I, I feed him appropriately once a week, and yeah. dude, when that thing is like five six foot, dude, he's gonna be such a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's gonna be a scary snake, man. That's yeah, a scary snake. yeah. But it, but I'm happy because it has that textbook canebrake look. Yeah, which for Florida, i mean excuse me, for Florida. So yeah, it's good. My,
2: I love the white. My little one has a nice. Uh, red stripe across his back. Just very great. I mean, he's, I love him, man. I love that thing. I could look at him all day long, but he wants to kill you. He can't even stand there for long. He doesn't strike too much at the glass, but he knows if you're in there and he sees the it like, tongs, oh, we're going to get fed right now. And, and, and he starts just patrolling his little cage. And it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. When I'm out of town, like, it sucks to have somebody experienced enough to deal with it a little, even though they're small, you still, it's just
1: different. Yeah, man.
2: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Very, very different. But I know there's a reptile, it's not venomous, but I brought one of my little price, uh, little jewels possessions. You guys want to check it out? Always. There's this little guy right here. Oh man, look at that.
3: Uh, a little wow.
2: tortoise that um one of my very close friends, uh Mike Lorette gifted me last season and um I'm a thats is... awesome yeah these guys are just amazing man just so much just look at that shell
1: man there's nothing like that in the animal kingdom
2: no like the it's just it's crazy it is crazy and they're so different each one of them and and just the way they 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 are I mean I'm obsessed with these guys I'm really like one of my favorite tortoises is definitely these guys. They're so amazing. So this is Loretta. <laughs> but yeah, we got we got a little
1: reptile in there. <laughs> it's so cool, man. Like to, to think that how how much bigger that thing's gonna get.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously
1: yeah. radiators aren't giants, but dude, that, that's gonna look so cool in the next couple of years, man. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, awesome.
2: um, and, and they don't what here in Florida. They're not they're not too hard to keep. I mean, the diet is very strict, and 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 I read an article not so long ago about their shells that humidity does a lot to keep that smooth shell. So you know, keep them humid indoors when they're this size, and you have a nice smooth shell without the mar- uh pyramiding. You do all right, obviously with diet as well too.
1: Yeah, awesome, dude. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Do you uh
2: huh? Do you
1: still do you still have the kookaburra? Yes,
2: I still. Well, I have the one you met with Stevie. Stevie okay. passed away.
1: Um, I um, go. Years ago.
2: Um, but now I have Marty. Marty's still around. Um, I keep him at my friend's Blake's place, and that bird's a trip, man. But another funny dumb story that happens with me: things that happen. Um, I live in Filardo. And a few months ago, I got the city coming to my house. Lady knocks on my door from the city and open the door. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, we got complaints about you. I'm like, okay, well, why? She goes, you have monkeys in your yard and they're waking up the neighbors. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, ma'am? She That's goes, awesome. You know? And I'm like, I've had every everything you can think of has been in my house, except a monkey. And I'm like, give me one second. So I go grab my book up on my permits, grab Marty, go outside and give her my book of permits. I'm like, listen, I get inspected by FWC, USDA, and U.S. Fishing Game for all my animals, crocodilians, venomous, conditional, everything else that I have. And um, this is the monkey you're thinking about. And she just gave me this stupid look like, excuse me, sir. So I made him do his laugh. And she goes, oh, okay, well, have a nice day. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> so once that happened, I'm like, you know what? There's going to be more problems. So then I brought him to my buddy's house that he lives out in the middle of nowhere where it would not bother nobody. But yeah, I got a monkey complaint because it's a kookaburra. That's awesome. Those things are loud. They are loud. They are very loud. And the thing in him, he was, he was, you know, he was, he was a narc, man. That guy will snitch on you. You know, <laughs> that's the thing that pissed me off because I have a window in my kitchen. And you know, you come home late at night from the bar, just want to make yourself a sandwich at 3 <sighs> o'clock in the morning, and here you have. <laughs> damn bird police over here screaming his lungs out because there's somebody turning the light on at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> that's and then, awesome and I get the dog going and then everybody wakes up and you're like like a raccoon in the kitchen turning to eat a ham sandwich and you just that that's,
3: place,
2: let everybody knows there's somebody around no matter what
1: that's awesome our uh, our good friend Scott Iper, down in Australia, he just messaged. He says, "Is it a laughing or a blue wing?" I assume it's, it's laughing. A laughing. Yeah, yeah it's a laughing. Yeah.
2: There's, from my understanding, there's only a handful of blue wings in the country. I don't know how true it is. I never really looked into it, but um, all the Kookaburras I've had, I've raised ten of them already, and they've all been laughing Kookaburras.
1: Yeah, super cool, man. They're,
2: they're cool bird, man. That 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 animal has has uh. They have attitude, man. They definitely have attitude. They don't like you. They'll let you know. They bite hard. They'll snitch on you. They're loud. They're, they're, they're a trip, man. I love working with them, though. Yeah, and they'll, they'll eat damn near anything they can catch, right? Yeah. There's, I mean, um, you know, um, Fred Garwald, the legend? You know who he is, Fred Garwald? He has one we get to, A few of us got together and gifted to one a few years ago. And he, um, he Lives in the middle of West Palm Beach, and one one or two days his bird wasn't eating, so he calls me on, freaking out. I go, hey, he's not eating, I don't know what's wrong with him. i offer him food, this and that. So I went up there to check him out. This little bird was eating every single anode that walked by the cage, so he was stuck. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. We figured out that he was eating their nose, so it's like, hey, you'll be all right. Just give it another week or two, there's no more, you'll start eating your food. So yeah, they eat anything, they eat anything, and, and they're violent, man, they'll, they'll catch. You know, uh, we hear we'll give him little fish or, or little mealworms or when he catches a wild Nola one whatnot, and he'll beat the hell out of it against a the branch. Then he'll just saw a whole. Even when you give him dead prey, um, he'll just beat it up against that branch hard just, he kills it instantly, and then he'll just saw the whole thing.
1: That's they're, so cool.
2: They're like a cool. They don't have miniature pelicans. Yeah. They don't use their feet for nothing just to stand just like a parrot. Um... But that beak, that's 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 a weapon. That's a weapon for sure. Super cool. I like Very it. Cool. Just not this and,
1: <laughs> and and they're fucking adorable. You when are you getting the cassowary?
2: When am I getting castle area? Oh man, the day uh Phil's six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> oh, I love Everywhere, it. Man, that's a that's a big boy animal, man. Um, I've had the opportunity a few times to get them, but I don't have the space in my property here right now to have them. And to me, I just I don't I don't. It's a beautiful display animal if you were open to public, but to have it at home with kids and everything else is just you know that animal is is dangerous. It's legit dangerous. Um, I seen them kick. I have seen them jump. I have seen them do a lot of well, things. Thanks
0: there. to Phil and Matt and Jamie. Yes,
2: those are my people. So Thanks to them, them I'm they obsessed with them me now. To the to the to the to the uh cattery world, I love those guys, man. I appreciate them a lot. But yeah, they introduced me to that those those people that they go to. Um, and also I met a few of them in San Diego and Texas area. And people keep them different ways, but just not for me. But I will get one before I get a parrot. That I do admit. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, I feel I, I feel like a Casuar is way more your speed than a parrot. I do.
2: I agree. I agree. It's just it's just space, space, and and and. I want to deal with it? It's a lot to deal with.
1: So Billy Jenkins wants to know if you've ever messed around with shoe bills before. Oh, do people even no. keep
3: those? Yeah, it's just
1: not here
2: in the country. There's only I believe it's only three of them oh. in the country, three or four of them. And we're very lucky enough that there's three here in Florida at the Tampa Lori Zoo. There's three of them there. I think there's one out in the West Coast. I wow. believe. So I've never been able to see one in person, work with one in person, or anything else like that. Um, not yet. But if the opportunity comes, that's definitely that's definitely something that I would love to have. Um, my next bird that I would really, really would love to enjoy it will be a secretary bird. Those things are amazing animals. Dude, that's too that cool, is. man.
1: That, too that, cool.
2: would be, that or a ground southern ground hornbill are, are the two, two of my list.
1: Yeah, and then and I know I don't know about the secretary birds, but there's there's a good handful of people breeding the southern grounds now. I know Matt and Jamie were talking about looking into that too.
2: Yeah, there's a few people doing them. Um, it's just getting a hold of them, uh, to get on a list and and money. You know, a lot of the animals are they these birds are not cheap, man. They're, they're not they're not cheap, and their maintenance is not cheap, their enclosure is not cheap. So you need to be financially ready to get something, you know, that crazy. Um ground horn bills will probably go from six to ten thousand dollars. That's just for the bird. Yeah. And you know, next thing you know, in one year you got double that in caging and food and stuff like that. you have to be prepared for it.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of them uh it's gotta make the zoo rounds first. And if none of the AZA places want it, then they usually offer it to like guys like us. But
2: that's if it's born in under ACA conditions.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
2: So there's still, there's probably people that have it. And I know a few people people in their personal collections, they have them. Um, They're not impossible to get. It's just, you know, having the right space, the right financials, and and being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. So. um,
0: Can you imagine walking up on a cassowary in the wild, dude? I would piss myself.
2: Well. There's only one, I've always said there's only one way an animal could smell fear, unless if you have to change your shorts, and um, I'll be changing my shorts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's funny, man, because, like, my boy Elliot in Queensland, you know, he does a lot of ecological surveys for the, the job that he does is basically is that ecological surveys and relocating animals from, like, construction sites and stuff, and, yeah. dude, he sends me videos of him, like, just walking through the bush, and, like, he'll just stop, and there's just a cassowary comes out, looks at him, goes, what's up, bro? and then just keeps on walking. And like, that's that's some scary shit. <laughs>
2: yeah, but you know what? That's For us it is, but think about somebody from another country coming here and watching an alligator crossing the road. You know, it's, it's, a great point. it's one of those things where we underappreciate the wildlife we have because everything we want is somebody else. But when yeah. you go to their at their place, you know, I've had um, I've asked people come from other countries, and they're like, I want to see a corn snake. You're like, what? And they see one, and they lose their mind. Yeah, First man. I copperhead in, in, in the wild. I was in Oklahoma. I lost my shit. I'm like, holy shit, they're real. They're, <laughs> not, they're not in duck cups. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. they <actually> <laughs> copperheads in the wild. Um, and that was pretty cool, so.
1: That's awesome.
2: We'll and we'll be shitting ourselves. And then he comes over here, not him, because he sees some animals, but somebody else will, will definitely like, what in the world is this? Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't cool.
0: know, man. There's something something about walking up on the closest thing to a velociraptor we'll probably get.
2: Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. I mean, we just know about that one, but I ain't looking up, I look up and you see this ostrich about to peck your forehead. So those are big birds too, man, or a harpy eagle. You know, yeah, those something. things are it's freaking nuts. Yeah. Those things are amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, let me take out my next bird if you guys don't mind.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, of course. Do it up, man. We've got. <laughs> let me see. This here is Caesar.
0: We need to do a Castaway episode, Phil.
1: We'll we'll try and make that happen.
0: My fear and obsession is just—it's got to happen.
1: All right, we'll, we'll try and make that happen. We'll get we'll get Matt, Jamie, and Lewis to come with us, and we'll we'll, we'll do it up. Ooh. Oh, man. Look at that. This here.
2: What's up, bro? This is Caesar here. So what's up, Caesar? Behave. Be nice. This is Caesar. Caesar is a auger buzzard. They are native to Africa. This is beautiful red tail. He's not a red tail hawk. Um,
0: I've never seen that before.
2: Yeah, this man. Is one cool little bird. It's not many of them here. In the city of Florida, I think there's only like two or three of them in the state. So you don't see them very often, right? But, um, Relax. Relax. he's very skittish. Jenna, grab Max. Hurry up. Wow. I got a friend that thinks he's a damn dragon. Relax. Um, <laughs> so a lot of cool stuff about this bird. Um, is uh we guys like football NFL football. This yeah. is the bird that they use as the Seattle Seahawks mascot. Really? Uh, not a oh. seahawk. And not a hawk. It's actually this little guy right here. So if you see their games and you see a hawk flying in their games, is is this species right here. Now he is a buzzard. Now, when we say the word buzzard, a lot of people look confused and they're like, That's not a buzzard, that's a hawk. Technically, yes, on both ends. We here in North America use the word buzzard as a slang term for vultures. But a vulture is always a vulture. So if you go to Europe, anywhere overseas, hawks are considered mm-hmm. buzzards. That makes sense? Very interesting. So he right here will be, you know, they'll probably come Augur buzzard because he's from Africa. But if you take a red-tailed hawk over there, it will be like a red-tailed buzzard or a red-shoulder buzzard and things like that. Wow. Caesar's about five years old. He was the first Hawk that I got, acquire and train. He's done a lot of work too. Um, he's done a lot of videos and photo shoots and a lot of flight shows for dozens of kids all over the country. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a he's a cool bird, but he's one of those guys that has his own personality. Before we do any show, I need to take him out, make sure he looks around, gets comfortable with the settings. Like right now you see him. He's like, what is going on? What happened? Um... But once he gets settled in and he sees everything is good, then he's just big old, big old chicken wing, right? Relax, relax. Say saying nice things about you. Don't embarrass me. Yeah, you. He, he's very vocal. There's a picture of him right behind me we're just looking at right
1: there. <laughs> right? That's you. Yeah, and that's uh, the story on Instagram I posted. That was him, right? No, 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 no. That was my Tawny Eagle
2: named Sarabi. Ah, that was Sarai, my tiny eagle. She is in Virginia right now. Relax. Got yeah, it. Grab Sadie. Um, she's up there, and I don't have her here with me right now. Okay. And she's huge. That bird is huge. That bird is, like, three times bigger than him. Bigger than Leo is my biggest bird. Wow. That's one big,
1: big, big old so bird. So now, how much does he weigh? He weighs in a whopping two pounds. Wow, that's crazy!
2: Yeah, and let me see if I can show you uh, his feet, his talons. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's uh, he's only two pounds, man. They're no, it's a lot. Of, it's not a lot of weight, but it is. You know, like I said, they got hollow bones. They don't have jets to fly, so you know they still have enough weight and size to to capture whatever they want at the right size. Too cool, man. Too cool. Okay, so on my days off and we're not doing nothing, basically this is what I do. I'll sit down, watching TV, and then just touch him, touch his feet, touch him all over the place. That way when he comes out in the public, um, he's not freaking out. that There's people around him and things like that. It's just, just a normal day from this, what we do. So he's very desensitized to a lot of things. Right? That's you. On the camera. But him, even with his cell phones, he's tough <laughs> doesn't care about his cell phones, right? Just that's all the good things. Spending as much time with him, we get to him to a lot of different, a lot of different things.
1: Right? Super cool,
2: man. Super cool. And he lives in the African plains, so this guy lives with spurt Yeah. <laughs> Right? Nice.
1: And then he uh, was he Captain Brett or no? Yep, he was Captain Brett. Yep. And then do you know like the locality of the parents or no? No, no. Okay. No, I know he's third
2: generation Captain born, but okay. I know the locality where, far Africa they came from.
1: Too cool, man. Too cool. And
2: this guy was actually born in Oklahoma.
1: Leo nice. Was born in New
2: York. This guy was born in Oklahoma. Steve was born in Texas. So I get. The birds come from all over the country.
1: Yeah, man. The, the best of the best. Yeah. A lot of time.
2: Right, Caesar? Now, the way he got his name, like, a lot of people asking the question, like, how you got Leonidas and Caesar and I'm into that, all, all that mythical stuff, and it's pretty dumb. Um, when I got when I got the phone call that I could actually purchase Leo for a moment, um, I was watching the movie 300. So, that's how he got the name Leonidas and Caesar here when I got the call that I was able to purchase him, um, we were eating little Caesars. <laughs> that's <laughs> so fantastic. So that's how you got Caesar. So yeah, all my birds, all the animals. I, I'm very bad at naming things. Usually my daughter or, or some of the, the people that help me out and stuff, they name them. I'm bad, but I named one dog Sadie and that's it. <laughs>
1: I'm the that's cool, man. It's awesome.
2: Right, bro? You good? Yeah, let me put him away because he's already starting to get a he's usually in bed by now.
1: Do you uh do, yeah, do you cover them convenient. up? Uh-huh. Do you, the ones you keep indoors, do you cover them up like a parrot or no?
2: I don't keep nobody indoors. Um, okay. my uh everybody's outside when we travel. When we travel, they're in um uh, almost like a dog crate. It's called a giant hood that is covered um, for two reasons. One, so there's no gaps for them to injure themselves and keep them calm. They can't see nothing that keeps them calm. That's what they use uh, on falcons and stuff. You see things like this. It's called a hood that goes over their head. Their beak comes out through here. Mm-hmm. See? And that covers their eyes. If they can't see you, they, for the most part, they're usually calm. Um, that's this actually give you a reference like uh this is i will use this for a bird bigger than caesar this one here is for a golden eagle wow so you can see the head difference on on these guys this
1: yeah is, you yeah, forget how floofy their heads are they always there, I mean.
0: they always make me think of yeah always makes me think of them wearing like bras on their head <laughs>
2: As that's stupid what, as it sounds. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, that's what, that's what uh, you know, you put that over their head, and for the most part, they'll stay calm because they can't see nothing. They just, you know, relax. But when they're outside, it's, you know, they're open. Uh,
1: open cage. News. Yeah. Very cool. Have you ever had a native, for lack of a better word, predator, try and get at them and lose?
2: No, no. Um, fortunately, uh two possums attempted it, and they don't have heads. <laughs> they wow. they, went, they tried to go into the wrong cage. And no, that's it. Caesar, he actually, not too long ago, he ate a, a razor here. I walked into his cage, and there was a heavy and razor that he ate. So, Wow. They, Good for they, him. They could do some damage, yeah, you know? It could do some damage, but they've been I've been very fortunate enough that the way I have their cages set up, my property is, and I don't have a lot of predators. My my biggest fear is humans. You know, uh, with birthday balloons and things like that. Not too long ago, there was a birthday party somewhere not far from here, and they had the happy birthday balloons get stuck in the power lines, and one of my birds was freaking out. She she was freaking every day. I walk in there and she was just losing her mind, and I couldn't figure out what why it was. Like nothing's changed, nothing's been new. She hasn't been touched, and then I go inside her cage to see what's going on, and I look up and there was three balloons hanging from the power lines, and just that stressed her to death. So then I had to get up there, um, call the the light company to take them out and things like that because she was about to hurt herself. So things like that are my biggest concerns. Um, holidays, I don't leave. Fourth of July, New Year's, with, with the fireworks. The pops and that stuff does not bother them at all. They could care less, but it's just the, the the other trash that comes back down that might go into their cage or hit them or things like that. That's, yeah, that's falling debris. Yeah, falling debris. That's 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 probably one of my biggest concerns. And then, you know, neighbor puts rat poison out there and could kill. You know, they die here and things like that. Like just, that those are my biggest concerns. Besides that, it's pretty safe. Anything that goes in there is gonna not gonna come out. every bird that I have here is strong enough to take out whatever could get in there. Hey, yeah. So that, that's that's about it with those guys.
1: Cool, man. So are you still doing stuff? I mean, you were talking about the bears. Like, are you still doing a lot of like predatory mammal stuff? I'm doing everything, man.
2: <laughs> I, I'm all year round. I'm I travel a lot. I'm on the road a lot. Um, I do help uh, one of my great friends, um, Dexter Osborne, with the uh, Grizzly Experience. Wow. He does uh, educational presentations with uh, Grizzly Bears. So I, I'll go on the road with him and help him out. Um, I still once in a while do stuff with uh, Jimmy Riffle with the gator presentations and things like that. And I have my own bird stuff. So wherever there's a show on the road or anything like that, I'm, I'm, I'll am i go. I'll do it. I enjoy being on the road. Very cool. Yeah. But it keeps me busy. Nice, nice. Yeah. And what's going on with you? Why you, you? I think last time you told me you were dealing with um, what was it the house snakes?
1: Was that? Yeah, that that project uh, crashed miserably. I wound up, uh-huh. <laughs> I wound up having a couple animals not make it, and then I wound up giving away adults to friends, just because like I just my my heart wasn't in it. Wow. Yeah. I know, was uh, a so rare,
2: rare project, but
1: yeah, I think stuff like that is pretty cool. Yeah, I think the biggest problem was is that all of our stuff was wild caught, and we didn't have a lot of control over how they were taken care of before they made it stateside. Oh yeah, so you really yeah, yeah, and yeah that that was one of the biggest problems. And I know uh, a lot of those animals uh, went to friends and stuff, and they made great pets and they were fine. But like in terms of keeping them long-term. I know Marcus still has one of the black houses. And that was the other two, is that the ones that we got that were quote-unquote black, they really weren't black. They were like a slate gray color. And from the information that I gathered from friend to friend to friend was they came out of Benin, but that particular phenotype is not indigenous to Benin, it's indigenous to Liberia. And apparently there was something about walking across the border and that kind of thing. So I think it was just, I think they were just doomed from the get-go because they had so much time out of the wild before they got to, you know, Marcus and I that it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just didn't work. But him and I just got a whole group of Sarastis, Sarastis. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So, so
2: I post those guys. That's,
1: yeah. That's dope. Yeah. So uh, Marcus just redid his Venomous Room. And, uh, dude, it's, it's awesome. It's a freaking laboratory. And uh, – surprise
3: not surprised, not surprised yeah right exactly with him not surprised
1: yeah. but uh we got we got 29 animals in total and of all they're all wild caught and oh. I think of the 29 I think 25 have already eaten perfect and it's oh, been incredible. like two weeks that's so, all yeah promising. so we're hopeful yeah but yeah it's
2: mm-hmm. can't wait to see those babies
1: yeah man and, and the bad uh thing,
2: being wild caught you got the good odds of hitting that albino or melanistic one.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Well, it's crazy because, like, they're such an arid species; they're so dry. You know, the temperature yeah. in Egypt. I mean, these are Egyptian. I'm trying to talk right. to the the exporter to find out, like, really what locality they are, just yeah. so I can get a better grasp on, like, you know, uh, a seasonal weather variants and stuff. Yeah. But when they got to Florida, you know, my room is probably about thirty percent humidity. Marcus's yeah. room at the time was probably a little higher just because his room is a room within the garage. Yeah. So the room had only been built for like a day or two before we put the animals in there or maybe longer. I can't remember, but, yeah. um, they all shed like, like that because yeah. they had, they're like, Oh my God, there's humidity. There's, there's humidity. humidity. I'm going to shed my skin. So were they, good sheds
2: too, probably.
1: yeah they were perfect sheds, perfect horns, yeah, and it's crazy because him and I are just texting each other pictures like look how much blue is on this one. Oh dude, look at how much pink is on this one because they're not in the wild and they don't they're not covered in dirt anymore. Yeah. So dude, the, the the colors that are coming out is just intense. So you know
2: what? I, I think the same thing when, when gabooms get imported or the rhinos and you soak them for a good hour and you take them out and after their fair shed,
1: golly, that's a beautiful animal, man. Yeah, man, you get it's all that
2: so ugly coming out of that box.
1: Yep. Get all that jungle skin off.
2: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful, man. And congrats on that, man. That's, that's,
1: thanks, for that a exciting,
2: man. And that's, that's a beautiful snake, too.
1: Yeah. And, and everyone's asking, like, oh, how long before you're going to sell them? And it's like, well, the point is to keep them and get them good and then kind of decide what we want to pair and how we want to pair them and kind of go from there. So, it's, it's going to be a long road ahead of us, but I feel way more optimistic with these than I do with the house snakes.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, you got good eyes. For that many animals, you have very good eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Then you got the right sex ratio and everything. hmm mm-hmm. Patience. And we'll get that nice, beautiful captive-born
1: animal. Oh, yeah.
2: It'll be worth the wait.
1: Definitely. Yeah, man. Totally. Yeah. Those little babies popping on the egg with little horns. Oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be cool.
2: Legit death noodles. <laughs> Legit death noodles. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. What does uh, Smitty keep? What do you have? Uh, a little bit of everything.
0: <laughs> um, a lot of bear rat snakes. Uh, handful of corns. Handful of chondros. Some boiga. Like um, some brittles. I just got yeah, some. Uh, yeah. I got a group of um, the step rat snakes, the Dion. Those are pretty cool. Oh,
1: nice! Yeah, Smitty is the Baird's king of the South. <laughs> I I can confidently say that it because of Smitty and our shows that people not only want Baird's rat snakes, but they know what they are. They you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the coolest part, man. And like, yeah. I see people chiming in on the chats and stuff, like, "Hey, man, I'm getting my first Baird's rat," or "Hey, I can't wait to go to the show because so and so is going to have Baird's rats," and like. They're super-duper underrated, and I think it's it's super cool. the color variation is so white. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, it's, yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful display snake, man. Yeah, oh, mine, are, mine are
0: always out, at least most of my adults.
2: Yeah, just walking around. Yeah, they used to. That's beautiful, man. That means they're happy. Happy, happy, happy babies. Yeah, man. That's good, man. Yeah, I don't... Some of those snakes, like I would love to have them, man, but that's what I like right now, keeping my own the native stuff, because I don't have to worry about the humidity, temperature, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They're in my garage, in my room, my venomous room, and everything is going to survive because everything is native to the air. Yeah. I, I simplify it from those days when I was breeding, because it's just too much, man. And I have such a fear of heating elements with snakes, with anything that could happen that I'm like, if he can't survive South Florida weather, like I'm not just not gonna have you. So it that it, it, yeah. changes. But I wish if I had more time and a nicer time to spend with him and stuff. Those are animals that will definitely in mean, the right display. They're just so beautiful, so amazing. Hopefully, one day my little one will get into it. But I think we can almost we can almost
1: guarantee she is.
2: <laughs> Odds are, but man she's uh she's a different girl man she loves her she loves her crocodilians that, that's her thing man she she has her her little crocodilians and her owls and that's that's what she's uh that's her thing right now you, you're keeping yeah. crocs right now yeah yeah if you give me a second I'll show you my
1: one of them if you want yeah man i mean don't go losing fingers late at night or anything yeah go for it
2: if I die, I die, bro. It's on live.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the show. It's documented. Yeah,
2: exactly. Hold on one second.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, he did it out of his own volition.
2: Oh, did read my text for me.
1: <laughs> Man, I didn't know he was keeping crocodilians at home. That's, that's pretty I'm, awesome.
3: I'm...
0: I've become so incredibly smitten with the Rhino Rats, man. Yeah. They're just so goofy and they've become like my, my disposal. So if I have like extra fuzzies and stuff cuz I thought out too many or whatever, like they they would eat until it was coming out of their mouth and they could not fit in their body anymore. Like they're they're freaking monsters.
1: Yeah, man, they look great.
0: I'm yeah, trying to look, grow some Pothos fantastic. clippings to throw into the, into the, they're in the, that small condo rack that I had Sean build. They've yeah. now been moved into that just because I felt bad for like six quarts were just a little tight for, well, pretty much all of them. But, you know, the, the male and one of, one of the males and the female definitely needed the, the extra space. So.
1: Cool, man. Very cool, and dude, those Diones are just
0: too Man, I need to get that female, that Beijing girl, out in the natural sun, so you can truly appreciate the freaking just antique color she has going on.
1: Yeah, man, antique is the perfect word for that.
0: I offered her some food today, she refused. I think she's in the shed though. So that little baby ate though.
1: Nice, nice, good shed.
0: New shit. male Mexican bears eight. The uh, that Olympia Canyon male from Chris eight, and he shed. And he looks real good. I'm trying to get some weight on him right. you know, asap because he's he's pretty twiggy.
1: I'm back. You're back. Good.
2: So here, um, another one of my little gems that I uh, appreciate. This is a gift from a good friend of mine, uh, John Heidecker. He produced this guy. And um, I'll make a guess what this little guy is. I'll give you a hint. He's not from Florida. That's not a speck, is it? No, it's not. It's a spectacled. No. Nope. nope.
1: Anybody in the comments could give a
2: mm. hint?
1: I want to say it's not dark enough to be a black.
2: No, it's not a black,
1: no. I would. Okay. All right, let us have it. This is
2: an African dwarf crocodile. Really? Uh, yep, I'll steal in this. That's
1: awesome. This is little JJ. JJ in the house. Super cool. What did she say? JJ in the house? <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's like a little guy.
2: I've had him since he was about two weeks old. Came to me here. Awesome. Doesn't, doesn't need the house, but... He's, he's a good, good uh good at him. Almost behaves somewhat like a spectacle, like a cayman, like very quick, very agile. Right. But definitely the attitude of a uh, of a craft.
1: Yeah, right. man. The more you look at him, the more you can tell that it's definitely not a Cayman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that white mouth on the inside, those face markings. Oh yeah. Super cool, man.
0: And how old is he now?
1: He's only two years old, man. This is oh, actually okay. one
2: of the smallest of all the crocodilian species. Yeah, his mom was like four and a half feet, and his dad was probably pushing five. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. They're small.
1: Yeah, I like this guy. That's too cool, man, and so unique too. Like yeah. you never hear people having that. Yeah, right? that's why I
0: that was definitely not my first guess.
1: Yeah,
2: it's um. I was very fortunate to get this guy, man. I like I said, a lot of my stuff that I have, I've been very, very lucky. I'm I'm blessed to have some amazing mentors and and good friends around me that that has put me in the position that I'm in. I'm I'm very grateful for, for a lot of them. Um, especially like uh, <clears throat> some of my people that helped me out on my presentations. Uh, Jenna, uh, Snake Princess. You see her Instagram. Um, Nick, the Animal Guy. Um, Tyre fauna. Troy. He helps me out on them a ton. Um, Jimmy Riffle taught me a lot of stuff. Obviously, Craig, Justin Inglaterra, me and him are like brothers. We fight every week, but still, they're still my boy no matter what. Um, the with the Bears, he's taught me a million things. So I've been, I've been very fortunate. the bells, those guys that I'm here because of them.
1: <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Ryan Cox wants to know if they're more terrestrial, like freshwater crocs.
2: Yes, yes. Um, from my understanding, they spend more time on land than they do actually in the water, and they're very nocturnal animal. When they get older, full grown, like right now, just you can see his eyes are getting dark, but when they're full grown, their eyes are almost like completely black. But they're very terrestrial animals, yeah. yeah they spend a lot of time on the, a lot of time on the off land, in Muddy, in the Congo, from where this guy comes from. Awesome. Yeah. But they're definitely a very unique species to work with, man. Very unique. Um, they just, they're just just different. They're just different. I mean, mm-hmm. I kept alligators for years. All the caimans the dwarves and all that stuff. And they're, they're definitely very different. A, a little more rewarding. Just, nothing's going to be like an alligator with, um, I ain't using the word tame, but just a little more docile if you put more time into them than these guys. Yeah. But I, I truly enjoy keeping these guys around.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can tell that, you know, he's got his mouth open. He's obviously not pleased with what's going on, but he's not thrashing around. He's not rolling. He's not whipping his tail, you You know?
2: know? Yeah, he doesn't do any other presentations. We don't take him out just because of his rarity. You know, there's not a lot of them around in the private sector. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So he stays home. But this is one of my few that I could say is my pet,
1: you know? The the other
2: animals are, you know, they're my coworkers, more to say.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. So,
2: but yeah, let me put this guy back, and I'll be right back in one second.
1: Cool, man. Yeah, that's super impressive. I had, I had, I had no idea he had yeah. that. <laughs> you know, so and dude, like I, I, I can't have always
0: wanted came in,
1: man. Yeah, dude, they're awesome. Like I see, like. Robbing them up in Massachusetts, playing with them, and it's like those big, giant adults that are just giant dogs. I'm sure. Th- I'm sure they're not actually puppy dog tame. I mean, they're still crocodilians, but you know what I'm saying.
3: Just
0: wish I had more space to devote to such an endeavor. Right? Because if I'm going to do those, I'm going to do it right.
1: Of course, of course.
0: That's why I need to get. Uh, we need to get. Travis did Lagerheim on to talk about Dwarf Caimans because he's uh, he did the article on them in the second issue of the magazine.
1: Yeah, I remember. And
3: I'm going
0: to talk to him about his setups and stuff, too. So.
2: Those
1: guys and, are uh, good. Team.
2: Those yeah, little Caimans are good. And the good thing is they stay small, so you keep them for very long periods of time without having to have this crazy 100-by-100-foot 100 100 enclosure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's about it, man. I mean,
0: I've Got heard they're a lot more a lot more high-strung than other. The Dwarf caymans they're more high-strung than other stuff. I've heard they, they kind of have a reputation for being a little more They
2: do. I think they spazzy. do, but I think a lot of them don't get worked with so much, and they get so um, – I don't know. This is my personal opinion and my personal opinion only. I think that we don't give them the same respect as a bigger one because it's not going to hurt you. So, the time that you will put in it for the fear of hurting you, you don't put it as much, I think. I can you know see that. I, mean? I can see that. So, so, in some cases, that's why. Because most people that have them will never be able to keep them properly. They'll have them in a small, you know, 20-gallon fish tank for a year or two, and they just grab yeah. them whenever they can. They don't, they don't let them relax, come down, and teach them. Because they're so smart, man. All of them are tremendously intelligent. You could teach mm-hmm. them so many different things um, between – their names, different behavior cues, and everything else. I mean, I don't know if you guys like watch like Chris Gillette with those gators out there. And a few of those guys that have those alligators doing some crazy things. Yeah. And, and crocodiles as well. Yeah, we yeah. just just they're dumb because they have a parrot brain. But like I said before, man, if that animal could survive without social media, internet, they're not stupid. They're yeah. just built to do a certain thing, and that's what they're built to do. Sh- they don't have to do a trick.
1: Yeah, I- I've been bit by a three-foot uh, smooth front. That's and tough. and dude it was it was fucked man like it was so fast and like i did everything <laughs> by the book and it was to so it. fast i got like 25 or 30 puncture wounds in my right hand
2: oh man and, and the worst the wrong part about it,
1: <clears throat> yeah well the, the worst part about it was it was in like a 100 gallon enclosure right and because I, I was putting him back in the enclosure it wasn't my animal and he just swung around and grabbed me as I was exiting. And the worst part was I had to take him back out. After I bandaged my head. I had to take him back out and drain the tank because it was just blood. Just the water was red. So, like, that was that was the worst part, was having to redo the entire enclosure.
2: <laughs> That's the beauty of it, man. That is the beauty of it. That sucks. And he
1: knows he got you once, too. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Like, I already tasted that meat. going to happen yeah.
1: again. And it wasn't, don't, it was don't not. Don't come in here with it,
0: that weak ass shit ever again.
1: Yeah, it was literally. I, know, right? it, I, I could not get mad at the animal at all because it was literally just a pop, like, don't touch me, bam, you know, don't yeah. do that. And that's all he had to do. So,
2: you were probably more upset that he called you a pussy when he dropped him than actual
1: bite. <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> 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 but it, it's happened to me, man. I've been bit by alligators. No, you so remember long that long. video? You know, was- uh,
0: Remember Steve Irwin getting bit oh, on the hand by that alligator that one time and he didn't this is like yeah. he had like no reaction to it almost. Oh, that guy was cold as ice,
2: but listen, I've been I've had I've had things happen to me during a live show, and you can't you can't you can't do nothing about it. Like you have to just go with the flow, put your hand in your pocket, yeah. finish the show. I had Leo one time, he put his talent through my hand in the middle of a show, and I couldn't do nothing about it. I blew out my ACL in the middle of a show, and I still really? have to, yeah, um, you can't the show moves go on man after the show yeah but during when that camera is on or that crowd is in front of you that's the last thing you want to do man is get bit by a snake where you telling little kids not to fear snakes and you yeah. scream at the girl it's the last thing you can do yeah it, it defeats the purpose so but that's the fun part of it
1: yeah yeah I get that that's awesome Yeah, that's awesome Oh, so, where can people find you? Well,
2: my best place to find me if you go to uh, my Instagram, Birds and excitings of the World, um, on Instagram and, or.com, um, you see my website. All my animals are there. Um, we do everything you think of, man. Um, Leonidas, um, he's done. He did that uh DJ Khaled and Drake uh, music video cover. Um, my vulture Simon, he just did a video with Coda Black. Um, I've done everything you could think of man all over the country birthday parties photo shoots music videos baby showers weddings you've been baby to wedding showers
1: time? yeah I oh, was yeah. I, I was there for that wedding
2: Leo leoidas was the best man for Matt and my other I Jane uh was Maya she was jamie's uh maid of honor yep and Leo actually was a ring bearer, too yeah he was yeah so we've we've done anything that's cool. from education to entertainment. There's very few things that we haven't done. Um, you know, the rules is as long us as it's respectful situation. Then yeah, you know, we'll do it. Um, and we do private events, everything you could think of that, that we could do something with, with what we have is we're able to do it. Just contact me, send me a message through Instagram or, or by email. And um, that's about it. You know, our staff is, uh, my guys that I have with me are, are intelligent. They're, they're very good. They're good with people. They're good with the animals. A lot of them have been around for a long time where they've seen race. Some of the animals have been around them. So, you know, it's not, um, I'm not a, uh, uh, how can you say that? Um, with the scare factor and things like that, that's not my presentations, you know?
1: Right, right. It's the education, the respect. It's just the respect,
2: education on it. And, and, you know, you still have to do some type of show and stuff like that with the birds flying, things like that. But for the most part, that's it. It's not uh, no wow factors, basically. If you're not impressed yeah. by the animal, I don't know what to do at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it, man. That's about it. But yeah, we just awesome. get a hold up. I'm all over the place. Like, we travel all over the country.
1: We've been everywhere. So just awesome. hit us up. Hell yeah, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on tonight, bro. It's a great show. I know that people yeah, are dude. loving it, the ones that are watching.
2: Well, thank you. Glad that I got to meet you, uh, Smitty. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Phil, it's always a good time, man. I hope to see you soon. You yeah, man. Out. Yeah, dude, and, absolutely. Um, I'm grateful for you guys, and I wish you all success and luck with this.
1: Thanks so much, man. Thank we you. really
2: appreciate you coming on. All right, buddy. Take care, man. Bye. Thank
1: you so much. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Good night. I think was that our first snakes and stogies that was predominantly not reptilian? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was a we fun time. There, it's
3: fun.
1: Yeah, we did, of course. Hey, dude, yeah, that's cool. the African dwarf crocodile, like if you're gonna sprinkle a reptile in a show, that's the one to sprinkle. So
0: that's that cherry. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah! Right on top of the Sunday. All right.
0: Yeah, it sucks. There was like a delay on my end.
1: Yeah, but it I wasn't was, like it wasn't that bad.
0: Three seconds ahead.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I rate. could hear, I said it, and then I could hear myself saying it
1: on the phone. We survived. I'm not trying
0: to interrupt people. I swear. <laughs> I only interrupt Phil. And then I see this, this look of frustration on his face.
1: I never have a look of frustration with that. So,
0: you'll have the audio version. If you want to see what we saw, you can check this video out on the YouTube channel, the Herpetoculture Network. This was episode 85 of Snakes and Stogies brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons, right up here above me. Check them out. They just released a new uh, YouTube video. Yeah. Some stuff they got hatching. Um too cool, man. Yeah. THB will be back for episode one thirty on Thursday. Thirty Thursday. Nice. No idea who who we're having on, but
1: it's happening. Good show, man. I had fun.
0: Yeah, man. We'll see everybody later. New issue of Pediculture magazine. Check it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Emerald horned vipers,
0: Opriecus smaragdinus,
1: arboreal deliciousness
0: from the crocodile cowboy himself, Derek Dystra. Love it. Yep. 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 All right, y'all. See you ah. later.